In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Betches Moms, with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Aileen. And I'm Brittany. And today we are joined by Sabia Wade, also known as the Black Doula. She's a doula, doula business coach, reproductive justice advocate, among many other things. Welcome, Sabia. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I haven't done a podcast in a little while. We're excited to have you. I'm excited. <laughs> What's going on? How are you? I am good. Um, let's see what's going on. I actually took a month off from work. Um, my doctor it was funny. My doctor put me on medical leave. He's like, you're just stressed out. I need to chill. And then he was oh. like, well, who do I write this note to? I was like, you write it to me to remind me to, <laughs> to chill out. Um, but I'm good. I'm feeling real good. That's nice. I'm sure having that month to kind of like decompress is really what we all need. So I'm jealous. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So it's been nice to like decompress. Um, you know, like when you take time off, you can actually like pan out and just see things and like not be so in that day to day meticulous way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really good for me and my body. <laughs> so I'm very happy about it. That's great. So you are a doula. You call, your company is the Black Doula. Can you tell us about? You know, why did you become a doula? Your journey, your story, mm-hmm. share it all. For sure. <laughs> For sure. I'm trying to not make this like 10 minutes. Um, but um, my, <laughs> so I was, how old am I now? I'm 32, I think. Yeah. And when I was around like 20 ish, I started, um, I was interested in the medical field. So I became a nursing assistant, medical assistant, was working at hospital spaces with like anyone from like a gunshot wound to um, an organ transplant to like some freak accident. Like, I mean, anything under the sun, I was working with them. Um, And at the time I was like, oh, I really want to be like a doctor or a nurse practitioner. Like, you know, it's kind of like the natural next step or whatever. Um, And every time that I would try to kind of do that, like, I don't know, life would happen. And I think it's because I just wasn't listening, but here we are. Um, so long story short, I ended up um, needing some time off of work because I was just having like a medical issue that wasn't a big deal, but I just needed time off of work. And in that time off, I started to think about like, is this really the space that I want to be in? Like, it, am I really happy in the space? Is this like the system that I want to work in? Um, being in the medical field for years, I became really aware of the differences that people face. Like, I mean, just like, preventative care not being, you know, there enough. Um, I also like saw like a stark difference in like my uh, patients who were black and my patients who were white who were dealing with like diabetes or mental health or these things. And like, I would see just like this very obvious like (laughs) disparity happening in between. 
um, as well as just being in the medical system and and having those struggles that a lot of nurses, CNAs, and people have where you have too many patients, you can't really give the care that you want to give, um, you're stressed out, <laughs> you know, you're trying not to put that stress on your patients, but, you know, it just wasn't what I personally needed to be. And I shout out to everyone who's in the system because I know that it is hard work. Um, and so I heard about doulas um, and then I finally decided to make the jump and I moved to Massachusetts from Philly and I became a volunteer full special doula with a prison birth project. And so we worked with incarcerated, formerly incarcerated um, people in substance recovery and things like that. And it was an amazing, like, I mean, <laughs> like two years of my life. And in the process of that two years, I also was going through my own personal journey as a Black non-binary woman in a medical system with a fibroid that didn't get diagnosed until I had a person of color give me the time of the day to figure it out. Um, so I was dealing with that and kind of like learning about advocacy and learning about reproductive justice and all these things. Um, so that really threw me into the work, even though as a volunteer, I didn't think this was going to be my life's work. Like I knew that I was dedicated. I knew that I loved it. I knew that like I was good at it, but I still was in this mindset of get a nine to five, do, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then I moved to San Diego and then I like eventually quit my job and here we are. <laughs> so, it's, been a, it's been a long time. That's, that's great. I mean, there's so much. And then, so now you also um, have a not-for-profit for the village. So mm-hmm. how did, how did that get started? Yeah, I'll tell you a little journey about like my organization. So um, I moved from Massachusetts in 2017, I want to say. So I moved, <laughs> I moved to San Diego and when I got there, I got a regular job, you know, pay the bills. And I started to really just kind of get into the dual world there. And when I was there, it was kind of, it was kind of like a culture shock in a way because I was coming from like this reproductive justice, advocacy, you know, activism type of dual work. That's what my work was always rooted in. Um, and to see people not even know what reproductive justice was. So nonetheless, I was there for... 2017 and 2018, I decided to start for the village because there was some community, well, not community, there was volunteer dual programs in San Diego, but they were all hospital-based. Um, and it was no like community-driven volunteer program. We got to like a little unofficial partnership with the Red Cross um, out there and they were like sending us people and we were doing the work and we were doing it for absolutely free at that time. Um, and then luckily in 2019, we got some funding. So we're in a partnership with um, this organization, PCI. And so we still, everything's still growing. We're actually about to grow a little bit more and offer postpartum support as well. Um, but pretty much anyone who's low income, marginalized can be in that in that um, program. Um, and that was my first one. And so like that was my nonprofit. And then next came... Um, more like, I think what came next was like me kind of solidifying my brand as a black doula um, and starting to kind of put myself out there for more like educational opportunities where I wasn't just doing direct care. Uh, and so that started to grow. And then the next thing that came was my, my organization birthing advocacy doula trainings. Um, and that just came from like, people were trying to recruit me. When I got to San Diego, they were like, come do this, come join this group, this group. Great. And then I would look at the curriculum and I'd be like, well, where am I? Like, no one's speaking about me and my experience. No one's speaking about 
queer and trans experiences, like, I don't feel like there's a lot of variety in this. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I'm coming from a background of like incarceration and this and that. So I'm like, there's so many elements to a birth experience. There's so many like different experiences just in reproductive health in general. So I was like, eh, no, I'm just going to create my own thing. <laughs> and I was like, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Um, and it worked. And now we've like touched over hundreds, thousands of students all over the world between you know, some of my equity consulting or equity workshops to full-spectrum care, postpartum, abortion, like everything is in this, like, <laughs> this, this kind of world that I've created that is way bigger than I am at this point. That's, That's amazing. Incredible. No wonder why you need a, yeah. a, a month <laughs> off. <laughs> You're doing a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Congratulations on your success. That's amazing. You're doing so much good. Um, Thank you. So again, you said the so you said the for the village is a it's a community doula program that provides mm -hmm. free and low cost doula services to underrepresented communities. That's really amazing. Um, where is it only in the West Coast? So right now it's in San Diego. Um, I want to do another like location for it, um, and I'm like I don't know if I want it to be in New Jersey because New Jersey obviously where I'm from and they have terrible. C-section rates and just ridiculousness. Um, I also live in Georgia now and they also have terrible things. <laughs> so I'm like, where's the next step? Um, but you know, the village soon will expand, I think probably next year to another location. Well, good luck. Yeah, good luck <laughs> with all of that. It's pretty incredible. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so let's talk about doulas, just being a doula. Mm -hmm. And because I don't know if everybody knows what a doula is or does. Mm -hmm. So can you share what, what does a doula do? And why yes. might, you know, you come in yes. and during the birthing process? Yes. So, so many things to say about that. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, when people first start looking up doula, they look up like the definition, like, what the hell is it? Um, and most Mostly you'll see something around like a, a trained or non-medical professional that assists with the birth experience before, during, after, um, which I mean is a general, you know, little line or two about what we do. Um, but I'd like to think about the work that doulas do is kind of like, you know how like water, water is a great leveler. So if there's like cracks in the ground or anything like that and he's missing, like water's going to come and fill it that's what a doula is. <laughs> like, we are the great leveler. Um, and so we fill in those spaces that sometimes the medical system leaves open, or we fill in those spaces that sometimes our family is missing, right? So that can be anything from given that, you know, birthing person extensive education and personalized education around birth, postpartum, lactation, whatever that needs to be. Um, it can also be you know, someone's, someone just wanting like motherly energy in the room, right? And a doula being that motherly energy for them. 
Um, and sometimes it's, you know, especially during the postpartum period specifically, it's like, I don't really have anyone to talk to where I'm not going to receive judgment. Okay, well, let me fill that crack for you and be that person, you know, for you to talk to when you, you know, want, want to not be judged. Um, and so I would say we're just like the, the great leveler. And then the other thing is that currently in our medical system, um, the way that things are set up don't quite work for most people, <laughs> right? Like, um, you know, you go to a doctor's appointment, maybe you get 15 minutes, maybe a half hour. Um, you go to, you're pregnant for the first time. Most people don't know about pregnancy until they become pregnant, right? <laughs> like, totally. no one, yeah. like most of us haven't been in class. So like, how do you care for a baby until you have a baby? Um, so usually in these like medical systems that we're all a part of, they don't have the time. Right. And it's not like the doctor's fault. It's, it's the system, the way that is set up. So the work that doulas do to like provide that education, provide that advocacy, provide people with understanding the language, provide people with their options. We're usually probably the only ones who are able to do that in like a personalized three hour experience. Right? <laughs> like nothing is quick about that. Um, so I always tell people like we are there to provide you with options. We're there to assist you. We're also there to, you know, when you're in a room and birth is happening, it also can end up any kind of way, right? Like babies do what they want. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could you could have the most perfect, you know, quote unquote pregnancy, and you know maybe unfortunately end up in a C-section. Right. Or maybe you're somebody who was planning to have a C-section, but you want to have someone there to help you with that process of healing, right? So which is non-judgmental. We're there to advocate. We're there to help. We are in your corner the whole entire time. So, so you're kind you're there. So if, let's say a doctor comes in and is saying, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z. Are you kind of that person being almost like a middleman of like, yes. the doctor's going to talk to you more than the mother. Cause let the mother kind of concentrate on them, their body and yeah, themselves. So yeah, so what happens is we always want the doctor to talk specifically to the birthing person, right? That's always a thing. Uh, and that communication, that line of communication should never be broken. Um, in the sense of you don't want a doula to be talking for you. That's right. not our job, right? Right. Like this is your body, your experience, your autonomy, um, things like that. But I'm here to help. Uh, like I like to say, like we're there to manage the room. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> if you think about, you know, the birthing person going through the birthing process, and then you think about maybe the partner is there, even maybe the grandmother is there, whoever. Everyone is tied up in this experience. People are having emotional, visceral like experiences, right? Um, and we're kind of like, this is where I am going to be calm and mm -hmm. reassuring. And if a doctor yeah. comes in and says, hey, you need this, I may ask, you know, I may say to the doctor, is this urgent or an emergency, right? So kind of understand what's the urgency level about of this. I may also say to my client, hey, I thought you wanted to talk about option B, right? And so I'm talking, I'm directing that to my client. Um, and then I may also kind of help coach their family members on how to navigate the system, right? Because they're, like I said, they're having an emotional, some people have not been in hospitals for years. They don't know the language. They don't know what options are available. They don't know these things, but I'm there to be like, this is my world. <laughs> right? yeah. like so yeah. what you need from me let me know and I'm and sometimes it's as simple as just like giving the the partner a time to take a nap <laughs> right like those things to make the experience just a little bit better a little bit more sustainable 
and everyone being nourished in that experience. Um, and the other thing that I also want to mention too around doulas and the work that we do is that we're also there for grief. We're there for loss. We're there for miscarriage. We're there for all these experiences that when we're in it, we have to be like the person, the birthing person has to be in it where we can be, you know, aware and, and ready and resourced. And, you know, so right. it's all about just supporting yeah. as much as we can. Like you're taking, you're that person who's able to have this clear mind. You don't have that exactly. emotional connection like everybody else in the room exactly. does where they might make these emotional rash, rash decisions. Exactly. And you're that, like you said, that level, that balance, which makes total sense. I want my clients when I'm working with them, I want them to be able to be emotional. Yeah. Right. Like I want them to be able to be in the moment, present, like enjoying or whatever is just being there and right. for them to feel safe enough to do that. That's my job to make sure that you're safe enough to be present. At, at what point might uh, an expecting mother hire you? Like, at, at, mm-hmm. at, is it as soon as she gets pregnant or, you know, what what's the timeline? And do you stay on for postpartum? Yeah. So the first thing that I will like recognize is that when, so in my work, from full special work, I like to be very like inclusive. So you'll hear me during this conversation saying mom, birthing person, whoever, baba, whatever you want to call yourself, however you see yourself, it's always space in there, um, in my space, right? So usually it's at any point. Some people have contacted me when they're thinking about getting pregnant. Some Some people have contacted me six weeks in. Some people have contacted me at 37 weeks. Um, you know, there, there can definitely be a variety <laughs> right? Yeah. of what will come your way. Um, and some people, it's because like, you know, they go through pregnancy and they're like, I'll be fine. And then something happens. And they're like, you know what? Maybe I need to do it. And so you, <laughs> you get those calls. And then you also get calls specifically. Um, a lot of time when I have gotten calls from people who are earlier on, like really early on, they're either, you know, first time parent, or sometimes they are someone who's experienced loss before. Um, so they're kind of looking for that support person as they navigate, not really feeling sure of what the end result will be. Um, and as a doula, I always tell the, the students that I teach that as a full spectrum doula, I support everything, right? So postpartum, this and other, but I feel like we all have our specialties. Me personally, I can do a birth, a birthing like experience and then become their postpartum and be fine. Cause that's like kind of the thing that I do. Um, but for example, they may have two different doulas in that space, or they may have started with a birth doula and unfortunately end with a grief doula could be the same person could be someone separate, right? It's just staying in your lane <laughs> and knowing what you're good at, what you have the capacity for so that, you know, any inadequacies don't fall into your client relationship. So if you don't have a doula or you can't afford to have one, what are some things you should be advocating for yourself? Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a doula or if you don't um, have the ability to get one, which is common, um, doulas, there's way, it seems like doulas are becoming more popular. Like it's the idea of like doulas become more popular, but we still are very, we're not a nearly as many births as we could like there's not nearly enough of us to even be present for as many births that are happening every day right um but so the first thing i would say is that like education is everything right like knowledge is power 
So I always say, if you can't get a doula or if you don't have, you know, the ability to get one for whatever reasons, like pick up a book, like that's one of your like one best options. Um, two, I also want to invite the awareness of like, you can get virtual doula support. Um, so for some people, that virtual piece really cuts down the cost. Right. Even if they're doing like, you know, a section around like education and then maybe a person just texts them for birth, like support that can be there. Um, I also really encourage childbirth education courses. Um, so childbirth education courses are usually something that may be broken into like four weeks or a weekend. Um, but, you know, you, your partner support people who can go there and learn about the stages of birth. You can learn about um, your different options. You can learn about all these different things. Um, so like I said, for me, it's always about just education. <laughs> if you, you want to watch YouTube videos, if you want to read books, if you want to do like a virtual process, a class, like all those things are super um, helpful, as well as really understanding, getting to know your provider <laughs> and getting to, even if you look up reviews on your provider, we have those things available to us now, sometimes, most of the time. So understanding that as well as learning where you're going to be birthing what are their policies, right? Mm -hmm. So do they have any policies that don't align with the birth that you're looking for? So if you're a person who is saying, I don't want any interventions, I want to be able to, you know, do as much as I can by my own, by myself, you may want to find out if the hospital that you are going to be attending, if they start with Pitocin as soon as you come in, right? Mm -hmm. Pitocin is like a medication to make contractions happen. So just getting your like understanding of where you're going to be birthing, what is there like policies around things? How's your provider? Who may like, will you even see your provider doing your birth? <laughs> like, or will it be the person that's just assigned, right? Like, so just ask some questions and like, you can still build a birth plan on your own, bringing that birth plan to your provider and saying, this is what I want. <laughs> do you feel, do you feel like there's any difficulties or things I need to know about before the birth process is actually starting? And that's great advice. Yeah, is I'm actually interested, intrigued to know some more examples of yeah. things to look out for, like like policies about pitocin or anything yeah. else. Like that's really interesting. Like I, yeah. I personally haven't thought. Of, I mean, I haven't thought about making a birth plan, but I wouldn't really even know where to start. How mm -hmm. do you go about that? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the so loaded I question. Just, I know. No, it's okay though. We're gonna go through it. <laughs> um, so I usually tell people to like, I first tell people like, imagine what you're like, if you had the ideal birth experience, what would it be? Um, and for some people that's going to look different. Somebody, their first, like their ideal birth experience is a C-section. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. what would that look like? You know, do you want the, the drape up, down? Do you want to be able to see the baby immediately? What is it that that looks like for you? So from there, let's build a plan that one encompasses that ideal plan a kind of birth but then also let's go to a plan b right so i'll give you an example so plan a um would be uh this is the easiest way to understand that i want to go in with no interventions i want to have my baby quote unquote naturally so on and so forth right plan b may be okay if for some reason um labor is not you know is not going the way that we wanted to, to go and things are kind of getting elongated i'm open to maybe getting Pitocin to help me have stronger contractions. I'm open to uh, breaking my waters for me. That's gonna be beneficial to the experience, right? So it's even a little plan B. These are the things that I'm open to. Maybe I would like to try Pitocin first and then, you know, maybe get into breaking my water after that. 
So kind of just kind of guideline for that. And then plan C would be if I have a C-section, right? And it makes sense, plan C, C-section. <laughs> like, if I was to have that, what would I want from that? I want them to tell me exactly what's going on. I like I said, drape up, drape down. I want to see the baby as soon as I can. I want the baby to be face-to-face to me so I can do skin to skin. I want to take the, if I can, the baby's doing well. Can I have them lay on my chest while you're suturing? Things like that, right? So for me, it's always about being open to the possibility because <laughs> you never, never know until you can mm. get there. But also still having that knowledge um, to feel a little bit more empowered, right? A lot of times when I have uh, birthing people where their, you know, their plan just didn't go as, it, as it, they wanted it to go, with them having the knowledge, they never felt like they lost their power, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of times when I see like really big, like people having really traumatic experiences, it's because no one was teaching them. No one was educating them. People were just doing things to them. They weren't getting asked the questions, but having the ability to just acknowledge and like educate really brings people into a space that even if it didn't go to the plan A, it went to plan C, I still felt like I was able to have autonomy during my experience. I think the whole education piece is so true. Like, Part of it, part of it is not really knowing what you can or cannot choose. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. you, you just you listing a bunch of different options. Like I didn't even know were options to even advocate <laughs> yeah. for myself. So like that education yep. piece is so important. If um, somebody was interested in educating themselves about that, where would you suggest any books or anything like that that are current? Yes, and I wanna <laughs> yeah. My friend just released a book. She is my homie, and we have very similar thoughts. And she actually um, works in. She, she was a, a nurse midwife, um, yeah. and she's currently building the first um, freestanding birth center in Alabama. Cool, her wow. name is um, Dr. Stephanie Mitchell. So her her book is called The First Time Parents Childbirth Handbook, a step by step guide for building your birth plan. Um, and yeah, wonderful place to start. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful place. Well, thank you for that. Shout out to your friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's like one book. There's like a million, but I would definitely start there. Do you feel comfortable sharing like how exp- like what's the cost of doulas like or the range um, yeah, across the country? Sure. So it's gonna range. From where you are right like when i was in san diego i was charging two thousand dollars i probably would not charge two thousand dollars if i lived in like the middle of nowhere in georgia right like <laughs> that wouldn't be appropriate for the space mm-hmm. right so people set their own ranges and you can have someone from you know a few hundred dollars to a couple to three thousand dollars um it really depends on the person the location um, their experience, their availability, you know, it's all personalized to what that person feels like they need. Um, right. Like when I, when I raised my prices to $2,000 uh, a client, it was so that I could take less clients and be more present, right? Versus like being at all these births and being tired as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's also, uh, you know, at least in my process, I also have payment plan options. Um, some people have I've seen people like for the baby shower, they're just like, hey, can you just donate money so I can get a doula? So there's really yeah. ways to kind of get creative about it. Um, some people's like flexible spending account will also pay for their doula. So there's wow. ways to kind of get creative about getting, you know, a doula. Yeah. It's good to know. Yeah. That is good. <laughs> so like an insurance won't cover it, but an FSA might. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been paid from people's FSAs. Thank God. 
<laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, and what exactly, like, what would that $2,000 cover? Is that mm-hmm. like you said, some people hire you from six weeks, some people hire you at 37 weeks. So yes, how long yes. would that be for? So for example, if I had someone who was at 37 weeks, I probably wouldn't say a $2,000 package because we're just not going to have the same amount of time. Yeah, um, We're not going to have the same amount. I mean, we could probably rush in that many prenatals, but it's probably not the best idea. Um, but yeah, so that amount will cover prenatals, which is usually two to three hours. Someone, you know, the doula will come over, educate you about your birth plan one day, and then maybe the next prenatal do a... Uh, comfort measures with you and your family and maybe a next prenatal about lactation if that's your plan right or building your because as much as a birth plan is important so is a postpartum plan Um, so once one session may be about that um then you're also paying for the doula to be on call right so when they're on call so let's say someone is due what is it june 1st and the, the doula is technically on call for two weeks before the birth before the date expected date and then two weeks after giving it space for could happen sooner could happen longer <laughs> like no yeah. one really knows um so what that means though that a doula is literally for that month of time making sure that no matter what they're doing they're available to you and if you think about that <laughs> like that's yeah. a lot of work right like a lot literally people call at any given time two o'clock three o'clock <laughs> for like it could be yeah. anytime as well as you're, yeah you might also be there for no one knows how long um so like the longest a birth I've been at probably like 30 cent hours um I had a birth that was three days but they let me go home and take naps in between um but yeah so you, you're really like paying for this on-call period of time where I as a doula am dropping all of my other responsibilities you're also paying for postnatal visits so a doula may come see you a couple of times after you have the baby, check in with you, see if there's any concerns of around lactation or any questions around the baby. If there's any like postpartum mood disorders starting to present themselves, like any resources that you may need. Um, and then usually we're still available by text or by phone if you have questions like further into the process. So what might actually be also so great about that is a lot of times if you're a nursing mother, you would pay to go to a lactation consultant anyway. So you kind of are tied up in that whole package. Yeah. So yeah. like with someone, so it, it depends on a doula. Everyone has different experience. Right. Um, there are some doulas who are with, like experienced with lactation and can help. Like some of the, like I would say easier things that can happen is let's say baby, it just needs help latching, right? A doula may be able to say, oh, I have experience with that. Like, let me show you. And it's, and it's done and we're good. Um, but sometimes if it's out of our wheelhouse, then we'll call in a lactation consultant or educator to say, hey, we tried this couple of things. And I think this could be a more like involved uh, process. And here you're the expert on that. So you you, you mentioned midwives. Do you work with midwives and OBGYNs both? Oh, yeah, I work with everyone. Everyone. Um, so it can be, you know, it could be doctors, it could be nurse midwives, like in a hospital setting. Um, it could also be like home birth midwives. Mm, so those right. things are different. Um, but home births and hospital births are definitely <laughs> two different experiences. Um, and a hospital birth can be a great experience. I've had clients who had a hospital birth and everything was great. The, the staff was supportive. Um, of course, things can also go left. And I've had that too. 
Um, but home births are just a, a different experience. I don't know if you have any of you ever been to a home birth. Been not to a home, <laughs> not a <laughs> home birth. No, I've had a hospital birth. <laughs> yeah. So home births are they're just different in the way of kind of. So, for example, like doulas really the growth of doulas is happening, if you ask me, because we are in systems that don't necessarily support childbirth. They don't support families sticking together. They don't support like, you know, back in the day, way, way back, like your aunt would be there. Your mom would be there. They would have the ability and time to be there. Now, like everybody has to work until they're 100 years old. Yeah. People like don't have the time to, to take off and like to do the thing. So here comes doulas, right? Again, filling in a crack. Um, but when we think about those times when people would do home births and that was like a normal kind of thing, when people would meet for a birth, it would be like a celebration of a sort. You're like it would be food laid out on the table for everyone that's going to be present. You know, the birthing person would be getting catered to and like, you know, maybe they're in a bath and they're moving. Maybe they're walking around. Maybe they're taking a nap. Like, but the whole like family kind of community aspect would be there. Um, and home births kind of create that. And so yeah. like the first home birth that I went to, I was like, what is this? Like, it doesn't like, feel, it doesn't feel, it's very opposite of the hospital. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very opposite. It like definitely, you know, when we're thinking about like, kind of like uh, the kind of like, I guess, perspectives of those two different spaces. So if you think about hospitals, hospitals, like individuals are different, but the hospitals are kind of built in with the mindset of when you're going through childbirth, I'm here to help you get take your pain away right so a lot of why you always like pain options you want epidural do you want whatever um whereas a home birth setting is more so i'm here to celebrate kind of the pain that you're in knowing that it's moving us to like this big like opening right. rebirth whatever right yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's a little more spiritual I mean, yeah yeah it's a little bit more spiritual it's a little bit more warm um and like i remember my last like one of my last home births she was pushing she was seven centimeters because we had they had just checked her and we're like, okay, cool, you're seven centimeters. Let's get on the bed. She was contracting. Everything's going fine. She had this big push. <laughs> she pushed, and I just felt like warm fluid all over my legs. And I was like, and then next thing you know, it was a baby in the midwife had to catch the baby. Like, oh my God. And they were like, okay, now we're here's your baby. And lay in the bed and like get comfortable and we'll clean you up. And like, it's just, it's just a different experience. Wow. Right. There, but there are like with home births. I have had a friend, I think, that did a home birth in mm -hmm. um, the, during the pandemic. She felt more comfortable with that. Um, I was like power to her, like <laughs> no, no meds, nothing. But um, I totally get what you're saying. And that whole spirit that the warmth and the celebration is definitely something that's not necessarily like in the moment. But that said, with a hospital, you do feel I feel like there's a comfort of being in a hospital in exactly. case of emergency. But you're saying exactly. with a birthing, if it's in a home birth or like even a birthing center, mm -hmm. there are backup plans for emergency situations, oh, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So like I definitely am like, so I'm a doula who supports any type of space, right? Because yeah. me as someone who has chronic pain conditions, I'm going to be honest with you. I probably will go to a hospital because I want some drugs. Like I, like I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I know what my body endures. So like I would want to be in a hospital with those options. So, right. There's no shade, no, nothing wrong with that. In a birth center or in a home birth, one, the midwives are trained to do any type of like special um, you know, resuscitation for babies, for the adults, for any type of bleed, like all those things they are taught, um, as well as they usually have an idea of what their transfer hospital would be if there was an emergency. 
Um, so in the case that there's an emergency, call 911, get the birthing person there to the hospital with all the information. They have their records and things that they have to keep up with, of course. Um, and yeah, it's, it's handled like any other <laughs> process that's an emergency. The other thing that I will also say <clears throat> is that and anything that is out of hospital birth, whether it's a birth center or a um, home birth, is that there's qualifications that, that you have to meet to even be able to do that type of birth, right? right. So if you have some type of complication or something that will put you at risk for bleeding or, you know, anything, you're going to be in a hospital setting to begin with, right? But most of the births that are happening in the U.S. specifically are people that would be okay and qualify to go to a home birth type of experience. Um, but sometimes it's just not accessible. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not legal, depending on what state you live in. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like, you know, some barriers to that, but definitely out of hospital births have criteria, qualifications, monitoring, even if during that process of working with a home birth midwife, something starts to not, you know, go well in like the later yeah. weeks of your pregnancy, you can be transferred to hospital care at that point. We yeah. all going to do the safe thing. Right. And I really love that you said that, you know, you don't, there's no judgment with anybody's choices yeah. of what they're doing, because as you were talking about the home birth, all of the <laughs> all of the description to me, like, you know, the celebration and all of that sounded great. And even the pain, no pain. I was like, oh, okay, I could probably deal with that. But the idea of everyone in my family <laughs> being there gave me the most yeah. anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, and of course you would pick that, right? Like another yeah, thing that course. I like to do with my with my clients is I'm like, okay, so let's have a rehearsal, right? So if let's say you went into labor today and you were heading to the hospital and people got phone calls, who would you actually want to be called? Mm-hmm. Do you want one person to be called, your best friend and your partner? Do you want everybody to be called? If you were in the, you know, in the birthing room and you were pushing and, and giving birth to your baby or, you know, in the middle of, you know, all these things that happens when babies are coming, who do you see in your space, right? And like, how do those people make you feel? So like, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll have people say, well, you know, I want my best friend there, my partner, um, and I see my partner's mom there. And I'm like, do you want them to be there? <laughs> <laughs> right? So I'm like, do you want them to be there? And they're like, well, I'm not really comfortable with her being there, but I know it means a lot to her. So then from there, I said, well, how about we give them a job? So maybe their job won't be to be at the birth, but maybe their job will be once you go into labor to make sure the house is okay, cook you your favorite meal, to be ready idea. for you when you get home. Right. So like, we're not telling people that because, you know, people start getting feeling rejected because we're all humans, whatever. <laughs> so, like, so we're not saying, Hey, I don't want you to be a part of this experience. But what I'm saying is for me to be comfortable, for me to really be in the zone that I need to be in, I would find it way more helpful for you to do this. Right. Yeah. And sometimes people are like, I don't want to do that either. That's your business. But at least I gave you an option. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe that uh, mother-in-law may not even want to be in the room anyway. Right. Exactly. So, so it's just like putting those pieces together. And like, again, like that's my job as a doula to say, what do you want this room to feel like? Whether it's a mm-hmm. hospital room, whether it's a home birth, whether like we're outside and you're birthing on the tree, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, what do oh, you tell want? Tell me you've done that the, before. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, what do you want? Who do you want to be around you? And how do you want to feel? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, great advice. So is there anything that we haven't spoken about that you feel like we should ch- touch on on the topic? <sighs> I mean, or just all, all of the things. Yeah, just all of the things, what you do. and I everything. mean, I think, you know, I always love talking about births and I always want to, you know, 
really have people kind of reflect on when it comes to health things, whether you've been pregnant or not, just about like how much you felt respected in that space. You know, was it ever a time where you didn't feel like you had a choice or do you, you know, were you aware of your autonomy? And just start kind of like thinking about those experiences and thinking about what you want your health experience to be like. And like making a list of what you need from your providers, what you need from nurses that work for you, what family support, what you need, what that looks like for you. Um, Because I think everyone deserves to feel safe. Everyone deserves to feel heard, right? Everyone deserves to have good health experiences. (laughs) Like we all deserve that. Um, And then lastly, I'm always on a hundred thousand things. Um, The Black Dual Podcast season one is out. I'm going to report season two in a few weeks. Actually, I'm getting my tonsils out because that's the thing. Um, (laughs) Good luck. I know. So once my tonsils are, I'll go back to recording after I like cry for two weeks. It's fine. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I love how you're like, and that's a thing. (laughs) It's all good. Um, And yeah, I'm in the process of writing a book. And I don't know if any of you have ever wrote or it's a wild experience. It's a lot of work. Just a book proposal. Like I have yeah. a book agent, we're just doing things. And I'm like, this is wild. Like, yeah. like, this is like one of the hardest things that I've done. And I'm a doula. Like I've been at <laughs> birth for countless hours with high stress, emotional, whatever. And just writing this book proposal is wild. Um, but yeah, yes. I'm always around, you know, find me on Instagram, the black doula, see what I'm up to. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy you reached out. We're so happy to have you. This was so much fun. I learned a lot. Learned so much. I need to go like make my birth plan for tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And okay. So everybody go follow um, at the black doula and Mm -hmm. in your Instagram, I know you have the birthing advocacy and everything there. So go check that out. Yes. And thank you so much, Sabia. This was great. And that is it for this episode of Betcha's. Mm, no. And that is it for this episode of Betches Moms Podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Apple and Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow Betches Moms on Instagram and follow us. I'm at Aileen. Brittany is at Britt Rich. And remember, there are no rules in this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, right, Regina? Stop talking. The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.